Well, good morning. I am so excited to be taking part in this Advent series because I come from a family of Christmas fanatics. We love everything about Christmas tradition. We love the eggnog and the gifts. We love the decorations and the caroling. We love going to Christmas Eve candlelight services. We love coming together as a family and singing silly songs. We love watching Christmas classics. But there was one Christmas that didn't live up to our expectations. One Christmas that just didn't meet anything that we thought it would be. So this is the true story of the worst Christmas ever. I was a middle school boy, and I was so excited about getting presents. And I had been begging my parents for weeks for the newest video game system. I was convinced that this would be a great gift. And I gave my parents spreadsheets explaining all the benefits that we would have. That in fact, this wouldn't be just a gift that I enjoyed, but it would be edifying for the whole family. I pictured all of us sitting around the living room, playing together, laughing, having a great time. Really, I was being selfless. I was asking not for a gift for myself, but for my whole family to enjoy. And so Christmas Eve came and I sat in my bed so excited knowing that under that tree there was a new video game system awaiting me. I couldn't sleep at all. I just laid in my bed and probably about two or three in the morning I nodded off for a couple hours and Woke up, saw the alarm clock, said five in the morning. I said, we're pretty close. So I ran over to my little sister's room and there she was perched with anticipation on the edge of her bed as well. And we sat there for hours because if your families are anything like mine, your parents sleep in one day each year, Christmas morning. So finally, my dad gets out of bed acting like he's still groggy. It's nine in the morning. He pulls out the camcorder and gives us the go-ahead, and the kids sprint down the stairs. I get to my present. I rip it open, and sure enough, there's the video game system. I was thrilled. I couldn't have been more happy, but My family's tradition is always to sit down for breakfast before we get to use any of our new toys or presents, and So I sat there and painstakingly watched my mom cut her pancakes in the littlest squares, eating each bite. And when she had finally finished, I politely asked if I might be excused and then sprinted off to the family room and began plugging in wires into my TV. Just as I had gotten it set up, my parents were also preparing the roast and they had put it in the oven and it was going to be slow cooked for eight hours for a succulent Christmas dinner celebration. And I went to flip on the video game system and sure enough, the lights went out and I thought my my family must be playing a trick on me. So I went and tried to flip them back on and they weren't working, which seemed strange. I went back to the TV and, and clicked it a few times, but nothing. 
And suddenly my happiness sank to despair as I realized the power had gone out. And that my Christmas present, the thing that was going to bring my whole family such happiness, was rendered useless. I went out into the kitchen and I saw my parents squinting into the oven, wondering why it seemed like the roast wasn't cooking. And sure enough, the oven had gone out with the power as well. And so discouraged and depressed, my whole family joined together around the dinner table at Denny's. You see, there's a lot of pressure during the Christmas season, to be happy. But we recognize that happiness is rather fragile. It's rather circumstantial. And just like that, with the flip of a switch, quite literally, it can all fall apart. The words Merry Christmas often incite far more anxiety than joy. They're a reminder that there are be presents to be bought. There are trees to be cut down, decorations to be hung, parties to prepare for, and perfect pot roasts to be cooked. You see, our culture has twisted the true story of Christmas and has sold us the myth of happiness. And if I'm honest, I've bought into it hook, line, and sinker. But the true story of Christmas offers us something much more lasting. It offers us joy. Last week, we took some time to look at Mary and Joseph and their journey from uh, their hometown all the way to Bethlehem for this census. And as they travel this long distance, they arrive in their town and they find that there is no room Anywhere, There is not a spare bed to be found, not a spare room to be rented. And instead, they find themselves in a stable with no place for their newborn baby but a manger. And oftentimes, we don't think about what that really means. And this week, as I sat with us, I realized that means that this town is jam-packed with people. There is life in this city. There are people busting out of the seams. Meanwhile, there are just a handful of shepherds out in the field. And God comes and brings his proclamation to these few misfits. I want to read in Luke chapter 2 verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. From a marketing perspective, this makes no sense. Right? Why do companies pay millions of dollars for a 30-second ad during the Super Bowl? 
because it's the most watched television program in the country. And so they have a captive audience and can catch millions of viewers with just one ad. It seems like if God wanted to proclaim this good news to the world, to ring in the birth of his son, to present this great gift to humanity, he would have had the angels go to the city center. Announce it to this town that is busting at the seams, that is full of life, but instead he leaves these thousands of people without any idea of what's happening in the room below them. And instead, he goes to these grimy shepherds who smell and are unsightly and are on the lowest spot on the totem pole. And the angels say, I bring you this good news of great joy that is for all the people. By bringing it to the lowest of the low, God clearly communicates that his message of joy is abundant. It is not for a special group of people. It is not for a handful of investors. Instead, it is for everyone. Shepherds and ornate magi. The true story of joy is that it is abundant. While on the other hand, this myth of happiness is seemingly scarce. And this scarcity tends to drive us to division. Let's think about it for a moment. How many of us as children counted the presents under the tree to find out if we had as many as our siblings. And after finding that we had one less, we threw a temper tantrum and ran up to our rooms, not knowing what was under the gift wrap. You see, this pursuit of happiness drives wedges between siblings. How many of us have taken part in gossip with our neighbors and our friends and co-workers about conflicting Christmas party dates? And whose house we would be stopping by, which one would have the right people there? On Black Friday, the pursuit of happiness creates a sense of competition between fellow shoppers. And I'll be honest, a few years ago, I was one of those guys sprinting to the back of Best Buy to be one of the first 10 to receive this TV. Why? Because my happiness was more important than the 11th person's happiness. On a much deeper level, this pursuit of happiness causes division amongst our marriages. How many marriages have been eroded because one spouse's individual picture of happiness was different than another's, even so much as they were in direct conflict with each other? You see, happiness is an individual pursuit. And it causes division. Just think about those words, pursuit of happiness. It conjures up images for me of James Bond movies. 
Last week, I saw the newest one, and James Bond is, of course, in his most beautiful, immaculate Aston Martin, and he's ripping through this, these narrow streets in hot pursuit of this bad guy, and he's, he's smashing into parked cars, he's crushing through fruit stands, and he's ruining the livelihood of shopkeepers throughout the city. Why? Because he has tunnel vision and is focused on the thing which he pursues. In the same way, when happiness replaces joy as the ultimate pursuit, we become blinded to the recklessness of our lives and the bludgeoning that it creates in the relationships that are closest to us. The true story of joy, on the other hand, is one of abundance. And abundance invites us into community. Uh, Just a few weeks ago, my wife and I went to this pizza shop uh, that had just opened up. In fact, it was the grand opening, and we went in, and we picked out all of our various toppings, and, and we got to the end of the line, and I began to pull my wallet out of my pocket to pay the cashier, and he stopped me and said, no, 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 the pizza's free. And I looked around waiting for confetti to fall. I was the hundredth shopper or something like this. And I said, what do you mean it's free? He said, well, it's our grand opening. And so we just want to bring people in and and show them what we're all about. So all of our pizza is free tonight. And I quickly put my wallet back in and pulled my phone out and called all of my friends and texted anyone that I knew near me. Hey, you got to come down here. The pizza is free. And sure enough, we spent far longer in this little pizza restaurant than we ever would have expected sharing a meal with close friends. Why? Because the pizza was abundant. I didn't have to hoard it. I didn't have to protect it. I didn't somehow score a deal that couldn't be shared with friends. Instead, it was, it was abundant. So why not invite my friends to come join me? In the same way, joy is abundant. And this gift of a little baby in the manger should radically change our lives and it should allow us to tap into a joy that incites us to reach out and grab those around us and to bring them in to this circle. To bring them into this communal experience. It causes us to slow down during the Christmas season. It causes us to Reach out to loved ones that we have lost touch with. It's an opportunity to pause and place our family first again. It causes us to stop and look around and see the needs of our community and find ways to participate in it. Ways that I've seen you doing with the breakthrough store or the food pantry or spirit village. You see, the joy in the Christmas story is a reminder that the kingdom of heaven is for everyone. It is for shepherds and kings. It is for parents and in-laws. It is for co-workers and dear friends. It is for refugees and politicians. And we are invited 
to take part in this communal experience. This passage doesn't stop there. And as we continue reading, I think we continue to have a clearer picture of the joy that Christ intended us to engage with when he came to this earth. We'll pick it up in verse 13. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Having a baby is a a happy experience. It's one of the most joyful experiences that we can have on this earth. We pop champagne in the waiting rooms of, of uh, hospitals. We throw huge baby showers and we carefully decorate cute nurseries to ring in the new life of this child. Well, culturally, things have not changed much. In fact, during the time that Jesus was born, it was traditional for minstrels to gather around the home of a family that was having a baby to announce its birth. And when you heard the joyous celebration of the musical instruments, friends and family would come gather together to celebrate the new life that had entered this world. But Jesus was not in his hometown. So the minstrels didn't know to come. And even if they had, there was no family and friends to celebrate. So instead of earthly minstrels, God sends heavenly minstrels to take their place. To celebrate the birth of his son. To invite everyone into this joyous celebration. You see, this is a reminder that joy, unlike happiness, is rooted in the eternal. The true story of Christmas is that our hope is unshaken. While the myth of happiness is that, much like the power outage and the worst Christmas ever, that it is fragile, it is precarious, and it is circumstantial. I think to one of my favorite Christmas movies, Chevy Chase's Christmas Vacation. Right? And what's the, the whole movie is about Chevy Chase trying to provide the happiest of experiences for his family. He wants to make this Christmas celebration one not soon to be forgotten. <clears throat> and so he drags his whole family out into the woods to cut down a tree The kids get frostbite in their toes and they chop down a pine tree that is far too large. He carefully decorates his home, making sure that each bulb is functioning so that his lights will be a spectacle for all to see. He invites friends and family to come in and to celebrate. They prepare this huge feast because he's anticipating this Christmas bonus that will allow him... To purchase a pool for his family. That will bring incredible happiness. But as we all know, that Christmas bonus never comes. And instead, he gets a subscription to a monthly fruitcake. And Chevy Chase 
goes ballistic. His happiness has been shattered. And he goes so far as to kidnap his boss to show him just how much sadness and despair he has been brought. You see, happiness is fragile. It is earthly, and so it is circumstantial. And because of that, it causes us to continually try to pursue the next day of happiness. And this constant cycle to acquire more tends to cause anxiety in my life. Oh, I'm happy now, but what about tomorrow? What about 10 years from now? What about my family after I'm gone? How can I procure enough happiness to make sure that I'm set for the rest of my life? And this constant pursuit, again, drives us away from community and focuses us inwardly as we dwell on the anxiety that this produces. Joy, on the other hand, is rooted in heaven. It is eternal. It is unshakable. And because of that, it offers us security and peace during this Christmas season. My favorite late-night television host is a man named Stephen Colbert. And Stephen Colbert calls his show The Joy Machine. He makes a living making light out of some of the darkest situations in this world. But what few of us think about is that Stephen Colbert actually comes from a place of deep tragedy. When Stephen was 10 years old, his father and his two older brothers passed away in a plane crash. He has experienced great loss. And in an interview that he did for a magazine, they asked him, how did he overcome such loss? And he said that he looked to his mother, who was founded in her faith. And he said, by her example, I am not bitter. She was not. Broken, yes. Bitter, no. Maybe, he said, She had been that for him. That even in those days of unremitting grief, she drew on her faith that the only way to not be swallowed by sorrow, to in fact recognize that our sorrow is inseparable from our joy. It is always to understand our suffering ourselves in the light of eternity. So how does a man so gripped by sorrow and despair make a living by bringing joy to others? He's reminded that his joy is not circumstantial. It cannot be changed by the things of this earth. Instead, it is rooted in a God that is eternal and unchanging. And every day as he sits down to his desk on the late night set, there's a quote before him that says, Joy 
is the most infallible evidence of the presence of God. Joy is abundant. It is eternal. And so we do not need to hoard it. We do not need to protect it. We do not need to keep it from others. We do not need to constantly ask ourselves, how can we procure more? Instead, we can rest assured that this true story of Christmas is that God brought a great gift to this world. A gift meant to be enjoyed. A gift meant for community. And a gift that brings us peace and security. Happiness, when drawn on as a replacement for joy, brings division and anxiety. While when we make our Christmas about the joy that was brought to this earth, In a small child, we are drawn together in community and can rest assured that our security is found in heaven. Let's lift this before the Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are a good God, a God that offers us great joy, a God that offers us freedom from the prison that is happiness. A God that is ever-present in community and fellowship. A God that is unshakable and eternal. Lord, we pray this Christmas season that we would not be caught up in this pursuit of a precarious feeling. But instead, Lord, take peace and comfort in your joy. We pray this in your name. Amen.